Order yourself a copy today of my new book, Christmas Past, The Fascinating Stories Behind Our Favorite Holidays Tradition. It'll keep you feeling festive all season long. Available in hardcover and ebook from Lions Press, and as an audiobook from recorded books narrated by yours truly. Available at all your favorite online booksellers, and remember, it makes a great gift. This episode of Christmas Past discusses Santa Claus and Father Christmas, but not in a way that younger listeners could appreciate. Grown-ups, please enjoy this one on your own. Thanks. On Christmas morning in 1923, a child in England named John awoke to find a handwritten letter accompanying all of the Christmas gifts that had magically arrived as he slept the night before. Written in a shaky scrawl of black and red ink and folded into a decorated envelope apparently postmarked from the North Pole, the letter reads, My dear John, it is very cold today and my hand is very shaky. I am 1924. Uh, no, 27 years old on Christmas Day. Lots older than your great-grandfather, so I can't stop the pen wobbling. But I hear that you're getting so good at reading that I expect you will be able to read my letter. I send you lots of love, and lots for Michael, too, and lots bricks, too, which are called that because there are lots more for you to have next year if you will let me know in good time. I think they are prettier and stronger and tidier than pick-a-bricks, so I hope you will like them. Now I must go. It is a lovely fine night and I have got hundreds of miles to go before morning. There is such a lot to do. A cold kiss from Father Nicholas Christmas. Of course, the letter wasn't actually from the North Pole or Father Christmas. It was from John's father, John Sr. For more than 20 years, John Sr. would write such letters from Father Christmas throughout the childhoods of his four children. They'd describe all kinds of details about Father Christmas, his home, his companions, including gnomes, snowmen, polar bears, and an elf who acted as his secretary, and events from his life. They'd even include lively drawings. John Sr. was doing what countless other parents do around Christmas time, creating a little bit of extra Christmas magic for his children in the form of these letters. Awakening on Christmas morning to find the bounty of gifts that magically arrived in the dark of the night is one thing. But to also find a personalized letter from the mysterious gift-bringer, well, that certainly adds an extra dimension and a treasured keepsake. And those letters were kept over those 20 years. That's how we know about them. In 1976, a collection of these letters was published as a book. You see, our friend John Sr.'s full name was John Ronald Ruel Tolkien, the same J.R.R. Tolkien who famously wrote The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And that collection, first published as The Father Christmas Letters, and then later as Letters from Father Christmas, has delighted readers young and old for more than a generation. But perhaps more than that, it reflected a melding of mythologies and a blurring of lines that had been underway. Tolkien's letters described Father Christmas as living in the North Pole and consorting with elves. Well, that sounds an awful lot like Santa Claus. So much so that you'd be forgiven for thinking that they're the same. Today, they more or less are the same, but that was only after a period of evolution. It's the story of a figure who appeared out of nowhere, a character with no backstory, who went on to earn his place in the Christmas season and Christmas history. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. 
So who is Father Christmas? Well, who is Father Christmas is easy. Uh, The answer is he's kind of like Santa Claus. That's Jerry Bowler. He's a professor of history and the author of several books about Christmas history, including The World Encyclopedia of Christmas and Santa Claus, A Biography. Now, Father Christmas is kind of like Santa Claus nowadays. We can only compare him to Santa Claus if there is a Santa Claus to compare him to. And that wouldn't happen until sometime in the 19th century. But this story, the Father Christmas story, begins much earlier than that. The first use of the name appeared in the 15th century in a carol whose lyrics included the line, Hail Father Christmas, Hail to Thee. But Father Christmas wasn't originally any kind of Christmas gift-bringer, or even a fully-fledged character with a biography and known characteristics. What we have, though, is the personification of Christmas just as a season. From the 1400s, it's a celebration of Christmas feasting, and particularly drink. Uh, And that's what Father Christmas was right up until the early 1800s. He stood for merriment, feasting, and companionship. The first printed images of Father Christmas appear sometime in the early 17th century. The images were created to accompany the text of published works defending Christmas. The first one is a poem, a a lament, for the decline of Christmas charity, bewailing the fact that in the in the old feudal period, lords were generous to their tenants at Christmas. But now the lords are abandoning their sta- estates at Christmas and uh, going to London. And so we get poems bewailing the loss of Christmas the charity. Then in the 1640s and 1650s, there's the English Civil War, um, the rise of Puritanism, the abolition of religious holidays, and particularly the abolition of Christmas. And so we get a number of uh, opposition tracts from underground presses showing pictures of Father Christmas being driven out, even being put on trial. Those images show him as something we'd recognize as Santa Claus-ish. An old bearded man in a fur hat and a fur-lined robe, an image that would later evolve. But we don't see him doing any of the things we'd associate with Santa Claus, like delivering gifts or flying around in a sleigh. Again, at this point, he's simply an image an image personifying an idea, not unlike the idea of the goddess of spring or old man winter. The images themselves are pretty close to that of the ghost of Christmas present in A Christmas Carol. Around this same time period, we get a further glimpse of Father Christmas in dramatic form. There's a preposterous description of him in uh, Ben Jonson's mask performed before King James. Father Christmas comes on stage and is in a preposterous outfit. Nobody can quite figure out what it would look like, except it looks silly. And he has 10 or 11 or 12 kids, uh, things like mince pie and card game and baby cake, which was essentially the Christmas cake. Now let's fast forward a couple hundred years and talk about Christmas gift bringers. Santa Claus is just one of many such characters, and he certainly wasn't the first. Now, Europe already had a whole load of Christmas gift bringers. Uh, Some of these were religious, St. Nicholas or angels or or the baby Jesus. Uh, Some were rather scary, like Père Fouettard, Father Whip. Some were bestial, uh, particularly in Scandinavia and and Central Europe. Things like uh, Yulipuki in uh, uh, Finland, the the Yule Goat. Yes, St. Nicholas was among the gift bringers, but remember, that's back when he was still just plain old St. Nicholas, a religious figure, not Santa Claus. And St. Nicholas was a gift-bringer in English culture until the 1550s during the reign of Queen Catherine. It's in her reign in the mid-1550s that's the last time I can find a mention of St. Nicholas as a gift-bringer. 
And in fact, England was without any kind of Christmas gift bringer from that point until around the middle of the 19th century. What happened in the 19th century was that the spread of the idea of Santa Claus, an American invention of the largely 1820s, uh, it begins to infiltrate Europe, um, let's say around 1850. So what happens is that the idea of Santa Claus infects uh, Europe, and these uh, scary gift bringers now become um, much milder. They'll keep the same name, like Yolapuki, but they'll now resemble a Santa Claus. Before long, this influence reaches England, which, remember, hadn't had a Christmas gift bringer for a while and was long overdue for one. And then around the 1850s, 1860s, we see in England the adoption of a Christmas gift bringer, very occasionally called Santa Claus because that's where uh, it evolved from. But very quickly, the guy becomes known as Father Christmas. Today, Father Christmas is the primary Christmas gift bringer in much of England, Australia, and New Zealand. And as Professor Bowler originally described him, he is kind of like Santa Claus. He does not dress like Santa Claus. Remember that in the 19th century, for a long time, there was no standardized Santa Claus. It takes uh, about 80 years for the contemporary Santa Claus uh, to emerge. Father Christmas wears more of a cape uh, outfit, still in the red and white, but uh, he more closely resembles the French and the German gift bringers, the, the secular gift bringers, like Père Noël or Der Weihnachtsmann. But still, today he's seen as a bearded old man dressed in some kind of fur costume who delivers toys to children at Christmas in a magical and mysterious way, just like Santa Claus. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's secret, it's midnight, it's, uh, it's Christmas Eve. And that leads many today to believe that Santa Claus and Father Christmas are interchangeable, or that Father Christmas is simply what they call Santa Claus in England. There's some truth to that, but it's nuanced. It's more that Father Christmas essentially turned into Santa Claus. While they are distinct characters, by the late 19th and early 20th centuries, any practical distinction between the two had faded away. He is essentially this um, synthetic figure that, poof, suddenly appears in the middle of the uh, 1800s out of nowhere. He doesn't have the, the complex backstory. The English don't have this myth-making around him. Well, however you draw the distinction, or whether you draw one at all, remember what Dr. Bowler said. A visit is meant to be secret. It's midnight, it's Christmas Eve, but you know how it is with young children who have trouble with the idea of secrets and controlling their curiosity. Every child has thought of trying to catch a glimpse of the man in red. But then what? What's the plan if they actually succeed? Well, that's a question that Amanda in Oklahoma found herself confronting many years ago, as she recalls in this Christmas memory. One of my favorite Christmas memories is from when I was maybe about five years old, and I had just kind of really put together what this idea of Santa Claus was. That basically there was this wonderful person who was going to come down the chimney at night and leave amazing presents. And I kind of wanted to beat this guy because why wouldn't you, to be honest? I was a little confused of how it would all work because our house didn't have a chimney, but you know what? This was Santa. He could do anything, apparently. So I'm sure he would figure out somewhere around that. But anyways, my mom and dad had warned me that if I tried to catch Santa in the act, he would get mad and he would never come back, which would mean no more presents ever, and that would be the worst thing possible. But... Me, my five-year-old wisdom, and my army of stuffed animals decided we were going to risk it anyway. 
anyways. So I waited until it was pretty late. I mean, it was late to me at five, so who knows how late it actually was. And I made a mad dash down the stairs to go catch Santa in the act. But what I hadn't taken into account was the house is a lot scarier in the middle of the night when no one's awake and all the lights are off than it is during the day. And two, what if I really did see Santa? And what if he really was mad? And what if he did leave and never came to bring presents again? So I made it about, mm, I'd say over halfway down the stairs, turned around, went back to bed. And of course, lo and behold, Christmas morning, there was something wonderful under the tree. And I was just thankful it was there, that Santa hadn't gotten mad, that I had tried to sneak in on him. And from that point on, I just let Santa do his thing and enjoyed the surprise the next day. When I was growing up, I had several grand plans to either wake up in the middle of the night or simply stay up late to catch a glimpse of Santa. Somehow I always fell asleep and woke up on Christmas morning just as my parents and Santa Claus himself had intended. Well, what about you? What Christmas memories are on your mind this Christmas season? Well, why not share it with the rest of the family? Simply record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspasspodcast at gmail.com. Keep it relatively short, clean and family friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. Now, I'll be back again in just a few days with an all new story from Christmas Past. Until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earle. Thank you to Jerry Bowler and Amanda in Oklahoma, and as always, thank you for listening. Let's stay connected all throughout the season. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please do join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And drop me a line anytime, whether it's to share a Christmas memory or just to say hi. Again, my email address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details. And until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.